What a weekend for Wisconsin sports, my friends. I don't even know which one to play first. Well, I guess it's the Eastern Conference Finals. We got to play this song first, baby. My God. What a game. From the Bucks getting their asses handed to them in the first quarter to it looking like it's as bad as looking as their jerseys. To Chris Middleton taking over in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Atlanta Hawks by himself, 20-17. to 17. Chris Middleton was a man possessed in the fourth quarter. Just give him the ball and watch him work. That was insane as the Bucks take the 2-1 series lead in the Eastern Conference Finals, stealing one down in the ATL. Trey Young steps on a referee, tweaks his ankle. He might not even play for Game 4. We'll talk about that. So the Bucks get it done. And then there's this, too. Oh, my God. What is going on? The Milwaukee Brewers, dude. Rowdy. They can't stop winning. Five in a row for your crew. Two and a half games ahead of the Cubs in the NL Central. Three. I'm sorry, three games ahead of the Cubs in the NL Central. Excuse me. Thank you, Rowdy. As the Brewers are, what, 12 games above 500? Judas. What a weekend. And no Aaron Rodgers news to annoy us. It was a beautiful weekend for Wisconsin sports. Uh, and I think Steve Stricker won a golf tournament as well over the weekend. Yeah, he qualified for the Players' Championship, too. <laughs> Look at that. My God. Wow. What a weekend, Rowdy. Um, I guess we'll start right away with what happened last night. From He must listen to the show. Oh, I know he does because everybody listens to the, over the line here. But he wanted to prove us wrong. Uh, or we were saying uh, or doing our reverse psychology. Chris Middleton. Was that Chris Middleton last night in the fourth quarter? Because I've, I've never seen a guy named Chris Middleton do that something like that before. Yeah, I was going to say, like, watching the game last night, I couldn't wait to get in here and say, I don't know who that was that was in Chris Middleton's body in the fourth quarter, but I kind of like him. I like him, too, and I'll take him. Uh, whoever that guy was, um, welcome to the Milwaukee Bucks. You, we're glad you're here. If it was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, well, the Body Snatcher can stay because that Chris Middleton version was nuts. Chris Middleton scored more points in Game 3 than he did in Games 1 and 2 combined. (laughs) Yes. Chris Middleton, uh, wow. I don't even know how to describe his performance last night, especially in the fourth quarter, besides nothing sort of amazing. As if that was a clone or a body snatcher or whatever it was or some kind of alien, well done on you, Chris Middleton, because that was a thing of beauty. Just give him the ball and let him work. Rowdy, wow. Crazy. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously we were off on Friday, uh, a well-deserved day off for both Nelson and I, as I was celebrating my five-year wedding anniversary, and my guy Rowdy over here was celebrating uh, him just being a, a badass on this earth. Uh, <laughs> I was also helping you celebrate your... Uh... Yep. And Rowdy also uh, found me out You know, uh, Friday night. We met up for a nice little drink. That was nice to see. Uh, nice to have Rowdy with some, uh, some uh, you know... Some libations out on there as we were, uh, Jen and I were out and about downtown. Rowdy met us out downtown. Nice to see. Had the great day. Beautiful time. Good time. So, Rowdy, Friday night, the Bucks absolutely annihilate the Atlanta Hawks. That was not even like a game. And then last, or yesterday, no, last night, excuse me, was, was made me think I think the Bucks can do it in five. I still think maybe Bucks and six. Well, I don't know. Trey Young might not play. I think Bucks are going to roll their way to the NBA Finals after yesterday. Well, the Bucks seem to be catching all the breaks, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, that started second round in the semis against the Brooklyn Nets where you had Kyrie Irving and James Harden both out the majority of those series, <laughs> yep. and it was just Kevin Durant. Just how the cookie crumbled. Then you go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and Trey Young is the guy that's absolutely torching the Bucks for the first two and a half uh, games. Yep. And then he all of a sudden rolls an ankle, steps on the referee, and boom, there's an ankle. Yeah, and he might not play in uh, game four. They're hopeful. Last time I checked, I mean, he's going to have an MRI and whatnot, but they're hopeful Trey Young's going to play. But right now, I don't know. Looks like this could be the Bucks. And even if he is hopeful, he's still going to have a sprained ankle. That's going to limit Trey Young, and that's obviously the Atlanta Hawks' best player. <laughs> I did like how Reggie Miller, d- on the broadcast, once um, Trey Young went out and Lou Williams 
the sixth man himself came in <laughs> and started playing, and he made like one lob for like a dunk. He's like, see, uh, you have Loon Williams coming off the bench, and he's doing in there, and he's doing just what Trey Young did. That lasted for like two times up the court. Yeah, then it all kind of <laughs> fell apart from. It was crazy how much the momentum shifted in that game last night. Because the first quarter was bad for the Bucks. Uh, I know RJ. Brutal. I know RJ will come in here uh, probably about fifteen minutes. RJ right away was all over the Bucks. I, I was saving my my comments. I'm like, well, it's an NBA game. A lot of things happen, especially in the fourth quarter. And the Bucks, the boys battled their way back, and then you know back and forth in the third. I think the Bucks took a little bit of a lead. Then the Hawks took again. I think the Hawks got up by a, the Hawks up like seven or eight in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, the Bucks and Chris Middleton were just like, all right, we're going to do this. And then Trey Young tweaked his ankle, and Middleton was – all I can say is a man possessed. I don't even know who that was. Well, yeah, the Bucks game didn't start how you wanted it to start, especially was the first three or four times up up and down the court, the Bucks had three or four turnovers. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think they made any of their first four or five shots. No. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't have started the first half of the first quarter much worse. They couldn't have, uh, but man, my God, did they end it on a sweet little note? I, we got to talk about Chris Middleton today. Yeah, to go from the first, ooh, what was it? Probably five minutes of that first quarter, and just getting completely run out of the building, yeah. to only losing the first quarter by a handful of points. Crazy. What's the reason for the uh, the jerseys? Did anyone figure I, that out? I don't know. I know RJ in our group message kind of talked about why are they wearing these jerseys. I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like I know they're the alternate jerseys or whatever, and they're like for the they're like for the water around Michigan or uh, um, Milwaukee. But like, yeah, why? they suck. They don't. I'm I'm not that big of a fan of them to be honest with you. I. I think I might like the Milwaukee Bucks Christmas colors more than I like those blue jerseys, the red and the green ones. And that's saying a lot for me because I hate the red and the green like ones. Like it made sense like the Hawks were wearing like an alternate jersey. Yeah. But they like it's it was like their throwback from uh, what was it, the 80s or 90s? Yeah, I don't or know. something these, closer to that. I don't know what these are for the Bucks. Yeah, these aren't really throwbacks. These are just jerseys. I think they're just like a money grab. <laughs> Like, hey, here's some jerseys that are different. Go hey, buy them. Hey, we wore these in game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, go buy them. Uh, we got to talk a lot of Chris Middleton today. Oh, baby. The Milwaukee Bucks throttle Friday night. And then last night, they were getting throttled in the first quarter. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we're in the Eastern Conference Finals. We should probably do something about this. Chris Middleton single-handedly takes over the fourth quarter and decimates the Atlanta Hawks. He outscored the Hawks 20-17. to Chris Middleton on game-high 38 points. I don't even know if that was Chris Middleton last night. I don't even know who that was. Rowdy, was that Chris Middleton? Was that Cash Middleton? Who was that? I guess it was Cash Middleton if uh, Chris Middleton has an alter ego because I don't think I've ever seen Chris Middleton play that way. <laughs> no. Especially in a big-time game Never. against a good team. Never. We say good morning to RJ. RJ, was that... Was that indeed Chris Middleton? Was that a clone? Was that a body snatcher? What was that? I mean, I guess it looked more like uh, regular season Chris Middleton. Which is a is a good Chris Middleton, a great yeah. Chris Middleton. I mean, when you can just make those shots like you're used to seeing, and not to the extent, but... I mean, the dude was possessed. Steph Curry makes when he just throws up a three. And yeah. It doesn't look like it's got a chance, but it goes in. And that's exactly what the Bucks needed, though, from Chris Middleton, because we've talked about it over and over the last couple of weeks. He has to be the Bucks closer, especially in these big games, because Giannis just isn't suited to do it. No. Giannis mm-hmm. just attacked the paint. Giannis is suited to be a great player for the first, what, 45 minutes of an NBA game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 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 nuts, dude. Uh, Chris Middleton, what we saw last night from him was what we've been, you know, screaming for ever since he signed that big deal and was the official number two to stay with Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's what we've been wanting from Chris Middleton this entire time. And uh, last night, now Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show, he'll join us tomorrow at seven forty uh, Central Time here. And Grant Bills is a gigantic Chris Middleton apologist to the point where, okay, what was it, game one, Rowdy, when Chris Middleton went 0 for 9 from beyond the arc against the Atlanta Hawks? That was game one, right? Yeah, because 
Chris Middleton, not good. Game one for the Milwaukee Bucks. And we're like, oh, my God, what, you can't expect this from your number two. Uh, so Grant Bills, he would tuck his tail in, and then he would just cry about Mike Budenholzer and anything else but Chris Middleton. And we'd be like, whoa, well, where's K-Money? Where's Cash? Where's Chris Middleton? What we saw last night, insane from Chris Middleton, I get a text message from Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show at about 1030. And he just said, are you still up? Are we going to talk about what just happened? And that, I was already sleeping. And then I get a tweet from Grant Bills at Ebo says, you up? FaceTime me. I want to talk about Middleton. Yeah, I almost um, sent out a tweet in your honor because I figured you were probably sleeping. I was sleeping. And then I saw that sports director Zach Heilprin also tweeted at him just saying, Grant, Grant dot, 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 dot. I was going to tweet at both Heilprin and Grant tweeting, Heilprin, he's got plenty of time. Gwinnett County actually has Monday off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rowdy, I was... Nice. I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm watching the game last night. I just saw the victory. And yes, I actually did look up the Gwinnett County Braves. Um, do they I, really? I don't even think they're Braves. I don't know what their logo is, but I did look up their schedule to make sure they had the day off. Yeah, they they do have, have today off. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like sitting there. I, I tweeted out the uh, a tweet. I said, instead of Chris Middleton, I wrote, Chris can't miss Middleton. Uh, am I right? Playing words. So I put my phone down. And I heard it vibrating a bunch. I heard the notifications coming in. And then I assumed it was a text message because it's a different vibration. You can feel the vibrations. The vibrations. You can feel the vibrations. And I'm like, all right, people are blowing me up. And I'm like, I'm not worried about it. I got to wake up at 4 a.m. I'm just going to go to bed. It's like 1030. I'm just going to figure it out in the morning. I wake up to all these texts and tweets from uh, Grant Bills puffing his chest <laughs> from out. From one guy. About Chris Middleton. And I'm thinking to myself... Okay, I love I love that you're excited that Chris Middleton had such a great game. I'm also excited that Chris Middleton had a great game. It's what I've been hoping and, and dreaming for for years of Chris Middleton. But here's the thing. Chris Middleton last night is something we've never seen him do. Chris Middleton, what do we see him do a lot, though? I'm not knocking the guy after a game last night like he had, but what do we see Chris Middleton do? Be inconsistent. Chris Middleton is very inconsistent. Well, just look at the first two games of the series. Exactly. Very inconsistent. If Chris Middleton plays like he did in the fourth quarter last night or just a little bit like he did last night moving forward, the Bucs are winning the NBA Finals. Oh, I would say before before talking about NBA Finals, if Chris Middleton had played like he did, not in the fourth quarter, but just like he did last night, the Bucs are up 3 nothing in the series, and you have no doubt that they're rolling the Hawks. Yeah, no doubt. If Chris- but he was MIA the first two games, and it's 2-1. Yeah, and it's 2-1. Bucs up. Obviously, in the East Conference Finals, it's uh, two wins away from their first Finals appearance since 1974. Whew. It's been a minute. It's it has been a minute. We I don't even think we were a thought, boys. All three of us in this room were, weren't even a thought. No, nope. not even a glimmer in our parents' eyes yet. As the Bucks, two wins away from getting there, and if Trey Young is going to be uh, missing some time coming up here, because when he came back from the locker room, he really did not do anything. Uh, besides complain a lot. Is, is, yeah, but he did that before the ankle. True. Is there a – game one was very fun to watch as a basketball fan of watching Trey Young, but then game two and then last night, God, uh, Trey Young, big whiner. Here's the thing, though. And a big push-off guy. Anyone big, else notice yeah, that? Big push-off I don't think guy. I ever saw yeah. him get whistled for one. No. No. Big push-off guy. Um, also a big push-off guy – um, in the fourth quarter, what was it? Um, it was Gallinari who pushed off big time on Middleton. And Middleton also whining a lot too. But big push off and then what? whatever. They're pushing off the NBA. It's physical in the Eastern Conference Finals. Boys, is it nice though not having like the prima donnas in the NBA in the East and the West Finals right now? Like who's a big prima donna right now? Isn't it nice to see guys just play basketball without whining all the time outside of kind of Trey Young? Kawhi. But he's not even he's not playing. playing. Yeah. Isn't it nice to like not have like prima donna whiners? Did you see that call uh, uh, from ESPN where they're they're showing uh, Paul George's like little teardrop uh, <laughs> near the end of the game, and they pan to Kawhi Leonard, and the announcer just goes and and he's just sitting there, arms crossed, lo- like slouching in a chair, not really showing. No, no emotion. And he just goes, and Kawhi Leonard is going crazy. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I wish I still had this laugh. I don't know what happened to his laugh. Kawhi Leonard is going crazy. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard is a robot, and that guy is all business. So it is nice. I was just thinking about this last night. Like, it's nice that there's not a bunch of prima donnas. Like, you know, some superstars are giant prima donnas, obviously. I don't I don't think we all need to. James Harden, LeBron James. I mean, you got guys that are just always crying and, and whining. Trey Young is close, but you're not sick of him yet. But it's so nice to not have prima donnas just flopping. and Well, they're still flopping, but not as much flopping and crying. Just guys out there playing basketball. Chris Middleton, when he took over, it was it was like NBA Jam. It's when you hit those three shots and you're on fire. That was Chris Middleton last night. Dude was on fire. He was money from everywhere. Uh, if you see that, even just a little ounce of that iota of that moving forward, the Bucks are going all the way. Bucks are going to do it. Looks like they'll go against the Suns. And I think they match up very well against the Suns. Yeah, so Suns up three. Yeah, 3-1. Man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, Rowdy, here's what we're going to do. How the Razors at? Well, no, we weren't here on Friday. No, we have to report back on Thursday. And I got a team that's on my S list. Uh-oh. And we might be betting against them today. Uh-oh. Uh, Packers underscore JT on Twitch.tv says, The best part of last night is that the Hawks team wakes up this morning and realizes they are the inferior team. Boy, are they ever. <laughs> They're done. Love it. Uh, Wisconsin Wookiee says, Young is an incredible scorer, but a big baby. <laughs> he is a whiner. Bucks win, baby. 2-1 up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Game four is tomorrow in Atlanta. Not sure if Trey Young is going to be a good to go. Apparently, Trey Young needs an MRI after he stepped on the ref's foot, tweaking his ankle, sprained it. He came back into the game, you know, once he emerged from the locker room after about like five minutes, but was very ineffective once he came back in. Did you see? I mean, Trey Young was complaining a lot, Rowdy, but did you see Gallinari complaining a lot when Bobby Portis yeah, was up in his grill? Dude, he, he, okay, so Go obviously, by, I love Bobby Portis. Obviously, Trey Young is annoying. Because, yes. one, because he's knocking down shots and he's making floaters. Like, he's and, a good player, but he complains a yeah, lot. Yeah, he's the good player so that when you do see them, you know, crying and whining, it's like, oh, come on. But come on, dude. Like, you're good enough not to complain but, and whine. But Gallinari is like a different, oh, come on. It's like, you're not even a great player. No, he's like a... He's a decent player. He's a good shooter. I mean, it's not he like he's... A, he was a better player when he played for the crappy Knicks. Yeah, like, he's a nice, you know, form player that can, like, step back and hit a nice little mid-range or a three-pointer. Like, that's his game. But he, he was, was a shooter. He was... Not only was he whining and crying, it seemed like, for everything, but he was a guy that was also doing little things here and there with, like, elbows and pushes and stuff like that, where it's like, wait, you're not calling it there, yeah. but he wants to whine on the other end. Like, he took... Like, there was a... He gave, like, Chris Middleton, like, a forearm shiver, and he, like, shoved Middleton back, and Middleton looked at the ref and was like, what the hell, dude? And then Gallinari hit that mid-range in his face. But before that, Bobby Portis was just all over him. And it was hilarious because Gallinari was like losing his mind over the physicality of Bobby Portis. I love watching Bobby Portis play. That dude is a hardcore energy guy. Um, I would say the number one energy guy. And you sent me the awesome video of Thanasis at Nakumbo. Uh, Rowdy, do you remember the video you sent me last night where Thanasis went to block? I forgot who yes. shot it was. Thanasis was like twenty no, no. feet away. He didn't, I don't even. I don't even know if he. Can you really say he went to go? <laughs> He's like twenty block? feet away from him. He wasn't even guarding the guy, and he like jumped up he like he was trying to block I, I don't even know what he was doing. Bobby Portis, nice to see Bobby Portis playing, man. Uh, Trey Young, though, you know, he stepped on that ref, tweaked his ankle. Right now, Bobby or not Bobby Portis. Right now, Trey Young, definitely not one hundred percent in his. Availability for Game Four is in doubt. I just can't believe how much had been going in the favor of the Milwaukee Bucks. Is what we know of as Wisconsin sports fan is pain and misery, things not going our way. Well, this year is a different story. It feels good. Um, Chris Middleton, crazy good last night, especially in the fourth quarter. Giannis Antetokounmpo talks about what he saw from Chris Middleton. The Greek freak saw greatness. 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 What I saw today was unbelievable. He was freaking unbelievable. Carried the team at the end. Uh, man, and just, you know, being able to, like, he turned the ball over, like, two times. And after that, he was, like, locked in. He was, like, pass me the ball. And uh, we were giving the ball, you know. And uh, after talking the pass, that there's moments that, you know, we know when to set screens for him. We know when he wants the ball. And that was the moment we were, like, Get the hell out of the way, give him the ball, take us home, Chris, and uh, that's what he did. And uh, as I said, you know, I talked to him a little bit in the locker room. 
you know, what I saw today was unbelievable, and for me it was greatness. Giannis, we're all thinking that about Chris Middleton. I think every single Bucks fan, every single NBA fan is out there saying what we saw from Chris Middleton last night was greatness. Who was that guy? It was crazy. Giannis talks about Middleton's journey to playoff closer. Throughout the whole journey of being with him for eight years, you know, from the start, like obviously we were young, tried to figure it out, but once we started to figure it out, I saw that he was like, it's tough. You know, and uh, he's going to give everything for the team every given night, every time he steps on the floor. No matter if he plays well, no matter if he doesn't play well, he's always there. He's always giving everything for the team, and uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. The Greek freak also says he trusts Middleton to death. I trust this guy to death. And uh, if he wants the ball, he gets it. Simple as that. He was knocking out shots. Does it really matter um, who's the first guy? It does not matter. We play basketball. You know, we try to win games. And if uh, Bobby can come in and help us win a game, I'll take that every day. I want to be a winner. Giannis also says this, Rowdy. The toughest day of Giannis Adendokounmpo's career will be what? It's, it's an unbelievable journey. You know, and uh, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. We we're talking about maybe like how long you're going to play for. You know, we just had a silly conversation. And he like, I'm not going to say exactly what he said, but like I told him, I said, hey, the day you retire, it's going to be the toughest day of my career. Giannis Adenokounmpo says the toughest day of his career when Chris Middleton retires. That just show, uh, shows you, and you heard it, how much trust and love Giannis Adenokounmpo has for Chris Middleton. Crazy. And my God, he showed it last night. K-Money, dude. Well, I think because Giannis probably knows that he needs a guy like Chris Middleton or someone that can score the basketball in crunch time from yeah. anywhere on the court because Giannis knows that he can't do it. And you've kind of somewhat in the last, I don't know, two weeks or so, he's somewhat deferred to other players. I'm not saying that he, he's passing the ball all the time and not looking for shots, but you can tell he's smarter about where he's taking his shots for the most part. Well, yeah, like, when he drives the lane and there's like four guys yeah, in front of him. And, and he's getting rid of the basketball instead of just charging into the you know supposed line of guys that are all uh, lined up there. And then go miss some free throws. Exactly. <laughs> and not only has he attempted less three-pointers, but it looks a little bit better when you only take like one to four three-pointers and you make like one. <laughs> yes. Instead of going like one for eight. Giannis was, how about this? Giannis was 50% shooting threes last night. Yeah, believe it or not, him and Middleton had the exact same uh, 50%. percentage. Giannis just happened to be one for two. Middleton six for 12. <laughs> You'll take it, though. I'll take all it. Day. All day. If he shoots two threes and he makes one, I'll all day. Love it. Giannis, speaking of shots, he talks about he doesn't care who the guy is in the fourth quarter. Only the win matters. I have I have the whole game to be you know, the guy. I don't care about being the guy in the fourth quarter. Whoever wants to be the guy in the fourth quarter, and uh, or Chris or Drew, or PJ, or Bobby, or Brino, whoever the case might be, and help us win game, that's what I, I care about. It's a team effort. That's how you're going to win it. Being a team. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey, fellas. What's up? <laughs> Nick, it's been a while. What's up, homie? been a while. Yeah, it has been. You actually teed me up here. Um, team effort. You know, I equate the uh, Chris Middleton situation behind Giannis as the same thing in baseball when you got, you know, a really good three-hitter, but if you don't have a good four-hitter, uh, the, the the pitchers can throw what they need to, um, but if you got a good four a four hitter right behind like Yellick or something, they're going to have to throw him because they don't want to get to that number four. They don't want to get to number four with a guy in second. Um, and in basketball with Giannis, you know when it's just him, the teams can focus on him. But when they got Middleton, they got to focus on them both. So yeah. you know Giannis might get uh, double teamed, triple teamed, but that's going to leave open a Middleton. And so teams have to start paying attention to him, which opens up opportunities for Giannis and how he gets his 30 a night. Yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome, isn't it? Hey, Nick. It, it's, it's beautiful to see is what it is. It, it's, it's, it's nice to see it coming together. Yeah. Nice to see teamwork. Nice to see, you know, this team finally, finally gelling um, where each pl- player knows their role. You know, you've got a defender. You've got... You know, you got a, a Middleton playing number two and sometimes the number one. Yeah. You know, it, it's just amazing to watch it. And, you know, yeah, I get it. Trey Young's got a sprained ankle, and, and that probably played a little bit of a factor last night. But yeah, that really, the, he didn't move. That, that wasn't that the damn ref's ref. fault. 
that was not the ref's fault. That was Trey Young not knowing where he was. <laughs> I think Trey Young, I thought he flopped for a second. I'm like, oh, this dude's flopping. He thought there's a buck behind him. But nope, it was actually a, a, an ankle sprain. It wouldn't have been a buck. It would have been his own team, if anything. That was his sideline. I thought he was just flopping the flop. But like, oh, actually, he's hurt. Yeah. There's, there's too many players in this league that do that. That yeah. usually calls up games. Hey. Rowdy's the man of the people right there. We, we want to see the Brewers beat the Cubs because we can't stand the Cubs. For the brand. Now, wasn't it, RJ, was it you who linked us to a, an article or a video or a, a quote? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It might have been a couple months ago. or. <laughs> Two months ago, about how the Cubs referred to the Brewers as their rival, was that you that did that? Do you remember that um, vaguely in our DM? Yeah, group? who? Uh, um, because I remember you being sarcastic. Said, oh no, 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 oh, no, no, I thought no. we weren't rivals. No, nope, that was that was based off the article of we're going to see the Brewers drop because their starters all use spider tech. Ah, yes, that and is what the, it is. The author, the journalist. From the Chicago Herald, um, I think. Yeah, the paper, or, or I prefer the Chicago uh, as well. A paper nobody reads. Exactly. Uh, I I had never heard of the Chicago Herald. Uh, I thought they call it a rag. It's just a rag. Yeah. I I mean I swear, you know, the Sun Times was the only thing left there, <laughs> and that probably isn't even there anymore. Um, Chicago. What about the Tribune? Yeah. That. Yeah. I think the Sun Times is actually gone because Chicago used to have like 80 papers. Um, But he called them a rival. And I was like, according to all the players, that's not a rivalry. Oh, and by the way, um, Chicago Sun Times still existing. Today marks the exact first week, first full week of all these checks for sticky substances in Major League Baseball. And in this last week, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Burns all through. Yep. And last time I checked, there's no been no news about them getting busted. And they all looked good still. They all looked good where all of their starts were six-plus innings and two runs or less. Because they're hiding it on their back where they're not looking. <laughs> they're on their butt cheeks. And they're scratching their butts. <laughs> I'm yep. not looking down there. Oh, no. <laughs> I just got a niche on my ass. Yeah, the only, and the only thing, because you brought it up, the uh, Rockies complained about the color of... Oh, Freddie Peralta's glove. It was too light. Couldn't That's see the, the ball. Stupidest thing ever. Yeah, Freddie Peralta had to change his glove. That was the only thing. Well, <laughs> I so I was. This is actually really funny now that you're bringing up the Rockies and and looking for sticky stuff and being examined in glove color. So you know Saturday night when it was four to four and the Brewers exploded for six in the eighth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I actually went upstairs and I turned the radio on and was listening to. The game on the radio on these airwaves. Well so done. You, you, was calling Brody, you were listening on 96 7 FM, 1670 AM, The Zone. W-O-Z-N. Yeah, WOZN. No wow. kidding. And it was hilarious because the guy's walking off the mound and Euchre goes, Really? You're going to examine him for sticky stuff after he just gave up six runs and just got shelled? He goes, That's just more salt in the wound. That, that's <laughs> just embarrassing. There was, a, a, on that note, there was a John Boy. Uh, oh, John Boy. Yeah, he's clipped. Uh, and it's ta- it showed a guy who gave up like five runs in the first inning getting checked, and it it just shows the guy being completely dejected walking off the mound, and then being like, "Oh, what do you mean I'm getting checked?" <laughs> <laughs> so funny, dude. Um, there has been a few, probably about a yeah, three or four memes that I or pictures that I've seen with captions that were pretty funny about pitchers that just got absolutely rocked and they have to walk off yeah. and get looked at by the umpires and they just do not look thrilled. It's probably because the umps are thinking this guy probably is using it. Yeah, <laughs> or the umps are thinking. I feel kind of bad for the umps at the same time too because some guy's gonna freak out and unbutton his pants and throw his pants down to his knees like take a look. It's already happened. Well, I know they're like, oh god. <laughs> Please, please let this guy be wearing underwear. Come Don't on, let it fall out, no. please. Oh, the jock, no. Oh, sir, I find it odd that I have to ask you to put your pants back on. <laughs> like find it that, weird? I have to ask hangover. twice. Yeah, from the hangover. Yeah. <laughs> find it weird that I've had to ask you twice now. <laughs> Why are you naked? Uh, but real quick on the sticky balls, the Mariners' Hector Santiago has become the first pitcher ejected for failing the sticky, the sticky substance check. 
as he was ejected yesterday afternoon after the umpires checked his glove in the fifth inning and presumably said they found something that should not have been there. And then <laughs> I got this. I'm rewatching the video. They're like inspecting the glove. And then Rowdy, and I know you saw it too. I don't know if you saw it, RJ, but he's like got this look on his face like, what's going on here? Like yeah. he's smirking and stuff. Um, and then they they put his glove in this like <laughs> This this that's just a grocery. It bag. looks like a plastic grocery bag, and they seal it shut, and then they're and gonna then they ship place it. To it a, in, no, then they place it in an, another bag. It was like the big mesh bag. Yeah, and then they're gonna put it in like a, a like a sealed van, and then they're gonna ship it to like this lab to get tested. So that was what was hilarious on the broadcast from like the clip that I saw because they're like. They're showing how they put it in the first bag, yeah. seal it up, and then they put it in like the mesh bag, and yep. then they wrap it up and put it away, and they go, yep, the MLB has a real strict policy on this. They have a complete chain of command on how, what they have <laughs> to go through, command. and now it's going to be sent to a lab and examined. So then they were talking about how the guy is going to be suspended for 10 games, and obviously how the Mariners weren't going to be or were going to be playing shorthanded for 10 games. But here's my thing. Wouldn't that be something you would have to appeal so the guy can continue to play right now? Right. And then once you get the lab, I'm going to imagine it's going to take at least a day to get it looked at in the lab. Uh, a day for them to make a ruling. Well, where so is now we're the like, lab? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows, RJ. Well, it's think, an, it's an underground it's bunker. Seattle. It's an underground <laughs> bunker somewhere. Wouldn't you think it would take at least one to three days for them to get an actual ruling. Yeah. Like if, and that's if they're working pretty quick and you can't suspend. I don't know. I've watched CSI. It only takes hours. <laughs> Actually, it only takes 20 minutes. I figure there's just semen on everything. You know, what was that super I bad? Was, I was wrong. That was super bad quote. Yeah. There you go. But would you think it would take them at least two to three days to come up with an actual ruling? Like, Oh, this isn't rosin and snot. This yeah. is insert some different substance. That's illegal. Yeah. You can't just suspend the guy that afternoon no. and have them be gone. Because what, what, what if it is just rousing? Exactly. Uh, here is, uh, I think I have the clip from the broadcast. Let's see here. You know, it's... Actually, it looks like they're almost putting their finger over the eyelets of the glove. And sometimes you can raise those up and use that to make a mark on the ball that actually enhances the movement. So as you can see, the authenticator is putting the, it away. The authenticator. sealed. And they will. He says, "What did he say?" Is putting it away, and it'll be hermetically sealed. Her- hermetically sealed. It's literally wrapped yeah. in like a trash bag. I mean, <laughs> it's like it's, it literally it's, looks like a, a trash bag. He's zip, wrapping it in a ziploc, shoved in a trash bag, shoved in a mesh bag. Yeah, and it's off. It's definitely not sealed. And they will then take a further look at it. We have the full chain of custody right in front yep. of us here. And so we've seen that the glove was transferred from Santiago to the umpires, the umpires to the authenticator, and the Mariners will be down a player for the next 10 days, and our understanding of this is as it gets checked out. And now, suddenly, base is loaded, one out. <laughs> it was not sealed at all, the authenticator of chain of command. So Hector Santiago says he was doing nothing illegal. It was a mixture of sweat and rosin that turned sticky. First two innings, nothing came up. Uh, third inning coming out of the game, I'm expecting them obviously to check me every inning. Um, I kind of joked around with him moving like if I was going to run away because uh, I know I wasn't using anything besides Rosie, you know, what's what's given to us. Because going into this, once once it came up, I was just like, I'm going to use Rosin. That's what, what that's what we got. I don't want this to be a big thing. I don't want this to happen to me. So, um, and he said he just felt some stuff sticky on the inside of the glove. Um so all I used was rosin. I mean, I used it on both sides, arms, sweat, trying to keep that sweat from dripping down to the hands. Um, I mean, that's the only thing I, I, I use rosin. That's about it. You believe him? I mean, I'm inclined to. Uh, yeah. Uh, honestly, he knows they're checking him. Hey, have you seen that video uh, from MLB Network of uh, Pedro Martinez showing how, like, dry and grippy your fingers get with just rosin and sweat? Yeah. Well, I mean, first I, off. I can believe that. Yeah. I mean, you put it anywhere. It's going to soak that stuff up and make things sticky. Totally. First off, I think... We're sweating like grease monkeys out here. Santiago should have came out and said, 
The truth is I'm innocent. <laughs> and it was rosin and sweat. And more will be revealed if the the chain of command isn't broken and it doesn't stay in someone's um, boys fridge who's, overnight. Who, who yeah, who's the uh, who happens the, to be a White Sox fan? If, I was gonna say, if, if anyone has ever caught rival. if anyone has ever caught with a sticky substance and they're in a press conference afterwards and then a reporter is asked uh, you know your innocence or if you're guilty or not, here is exactly the template's already been laid out of what you should say. The simple truth is that I'm innocent. I've maintained my innocence uh, from day one, and ultimately uh, I was proven to be innocent. And ba-bum, ba-bum, just just an ba-bum. FYI for anyone that wants to use that, that's a get-out-of-jail-free card one time. One so time. If, so if you do it twice, they're going to nail you. Yep. <laughs> this only flies once. The simple truth is that I'm innocent. I've maintained my innocence uh, from day one, and ultimately uh, I was proven to be innocent. There you go. That's a one-time get-out-of-jail-free card. But, boy, speaking of Wisconsin, the Badgers hitting it hard on the recruiting trail. They're getting some guys, a flurry of action coming in. I think we're only 68 days away from uh, first game. Yeah, September 4th is going to come here quick. That's when Penn State comes knocking to get their their bell rung, their asses kicked. Uh, but, boy, speaking of Wisconsin football, RJ, you, uh, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. You shot us a article i think it was last week sometime and i put it on the back burner i'm like okay we'll get to this we'll get to this and now i'm like looking at it, i'm like i want to get to this so i think i sent that friday was that friday so i'm looking <laughs> here at over under uh big 10 total wins and there's some uh predictions for each team as ohio state and wisconsin face big numbers now i'll just go through them really quick illinois their first year, what, Brett Bielema coming to town? He's going to be in Champaign, yeah. former friend of the Wisconsin Badgers. They still got a lot to do there, so. Karma. Karma. <laughs> Three and a half over under, except for Illinois' wins. Oof. Analysis. Brett Bielema's first season is a unique situation. <laughs> this will actually be his first real rebuilding job. Yeah, and I just want to put it out there that the Big Ten does plan on playing its full season. Yes. <laughs> it's not a 10-game yeah. season. Because, I mean, you look at that, um, even when he went to Arkansas, the cupboard was not bare. Um, and, I mean, we saw how that went for him for a while. Yeah, we all saw how that went. Um, That's why he's now with the— uh, So it'll be interesting to see what, what he can do— um, where he needs to totally rebuild a program. Yeah, he needs to do a lot. And that's crazy to me because Lovey Smith, all the success with the Bears, you have the connection with Chicago, obviously, and then you just – what's their, their one big thing is beating Wisconsin. And uh, <laughs> and what was that, 2019 when they, they beat Wisconsin? It, they did it twice Unbelievable, under uh, Lovey Smith. Uh, next up, Indiana. Over under, they set at seven and a half wins for Indiana. Now they're losing a lot of good players, both on defense and on offense. Yeah, they say the pick is they, the They under. had a very yeah. uh, senior-laden team last year. Yeah, they, were, they were balling last year. Yeah. Uh, their top running back, Stevie Scott's gone. Uh, WAP five. One of their one of their WAP top. Hilliard? I think it was top two receivers is gone. Yeah, that that's the kid who liked Whoppers, so his parents just started Could calling him Whop. Whop. Yeah. They lost a decent amount of guys on defense, yeah. which is where they were and, really strong. And their defensive coordinator. Yeah, they got Iowa coming in at over-under at eight and a half wins. See, Iowa's biggest thing is that they don't have a quarterback. Like, yeah. Like, their offense and defensive lines are pretty good. They can run the football pretty well. We know that they're going to have solid tight ends. But last year, if you watch that team... It was a solid roster. It just was missing a quarterback. Yeah. And I mean they're returning that quarterback, so it'll be interesting to see how he matures, if he matures, and I mean, granted, ended up being we'll the Badgers twenty eight seven. We'll be quick year, on Maryland here. The over under six wins. No. <laughs> no. Uh Michigan over under seven and a half. Um <sighs> It depends Man, on how if the they mighty finally have turn that corner. Yeah, how well, the mighty have will fallen. They, will they turn the corner? Well, you got rid of your. Has Harbaugh turned that corner yet? No, no. Well, they don't have a quarterback either. Yeah, that they had Joe Milton speaking, transfer out, and and, and the kid that they had last year, too. a lot of people were like talking him up about how he's a big recruit. He, he looked stunk. He looked awful, and then they were still making excuses. What was that going into like the third or fourth week where they finally played Wisconsin, and he looked even worse. And yeah. then they benched him. How many at one picks point. did he throw? Joe Milton. How many yeah. picks did he throw that game against Wisconsin? It was. Like, I think it was like a combined 
three. Yeah. Um. Up next, excuse me. Speaking of how the mighty have fallen, Michigan State over under four and a half wins. That's Th- another one. They had zero talent. Like they did. Tony well, just yeah, gave up. He yeah. absolutely screwed them with <laughs> yes. recru- recruiting because he left. Remember, he stayed that little extra while longer and wasn't recruiting because he, he cashed his bonus yeah. if he stayed till a certain yeah. point. He left. Then like he a dipped week out before signing day, and then all of a sudden they bring in that uh, can't think of his Mount name. Tucker. Yeah, Tucker from Colorado. Who then the majority of his recruits that were planning on coming to Colorado stayed with Colorado yep. and didn't move over to Michigan State with them. So now you're left with pretty much no recruiting class, a team that was already graduating a decent amount of players, yep. and you had a COVID season where there wasn't a ton of practice or anything. So yeah, you really had a hard time implementing anything sure. of your own. Up next, Minnesota over under set at seven wins. No. We'll we'll get they, to that. We'll, they, we'll get to it. They up. have zero wide receivers left. We'll get we'll get and to the Nebraska or the uh, Minnesota thing in a second. Tanner Morgan was not good. Uh, Nebraska over under six wins. Uh, who cares? They are a shell of themselves. In fact, their their AD just retired. I think. Yeah, he's done. Uh, Northwestern six and a half wins. You can never write them off. No, Ohio State eleven wins is their over under. I'll take the over. The, 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 Penn State nine wins. I after last season, I know they've made. I think they made changes at the offensive coordinator, but I'm not sure how well that's what that's going to matter because Tyler Clifford or Clifford Clifford one of the Clifford two, uh, is. Think big Not, red dog is. I don't think that's a guy to get you over the hump. There. Yeah, uh, Purdue over under five wins. Who's playing quarterback? Yeah, who's playing quarterback? You just lost your best weapon, even though he rarely played last year due to injuries. Um, is your defense going to start showing up again? Yeah. Uh, we've seen them. Uh, when they're good, their defense is average. And then and finally, if or we got two left. Oh, sorry, Rowdy? Well, I was just going to say, we continue to talk about all these teams, and a lot of it is quarterback. Question mark. Quarterback. Mm-hmm. Or when we talk about their quarterback, not that good. Or finally, it was like, it was kind of revealed that you thought this guy might be good, and then he loses a couple weapons, and it turns out he's really not that good. If you can get a a Mertz somewhere in between the level of his Illinois and his Michigan, Michigan game, games, you could very well not only have the second best quarterback in the in the conference, but depending on what the Ohio State quarterback uh, actually plays like, because he's going to be a true freshman, yeah. you could have the best quarterback in the conference. Well, boys. Right now, the best quarterback. Ranking in the conference has uh, Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, from Indiana, and he's coming off of an ACL. Yep. Rutgers over under four wins. Who cares? And then finally, <laughs> Wisconsin at the end, over under nine and a half wins. Now CBS Sports is picking the over of nine and a half, saying their wins are at Penn State, Eastern Michigan, Notre Dame, Michigan at Illinois, Army at Purdue, Iowa at Rutgers, and Northwestern. But their loss at Minnesota. CBS Sports proclaims that Wisconsin will do the over of nine and a half wins, but lose at Minnesota. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not really sure how you can pick that. Um, uh, they say so. Uh, they say all right. So I was not expecting to project Wisconsin as an eleven and one team when I began this exercise. It happened organically. Still, even if unexpected, it's not unrealistic. The Badgers have some very tough games on the schedule in 2021, but they're all at home or a neutral site. Also, even if the Badgers lose two of those three games, they're still very capable of finishing 10-2. and two. Considering that the Badgers have the best quarterback, offensive line, and defense in the West this season, 10-2 and two seems like a reasonable expectation. They never once say why they pick Minnesota to beat them. Because yeah. they had the Badgers going 12-0 and 0 and didn't want to pick 12-0. and 0. So they, well, We they can't found, upset Ohio State fans. They, they, they've picked a random team that, that was an away game that – is your rival except they beat the hell out of I them. I mean cuz who what are the other away games there? Well, if you look at their schedule just in general, it sets up extremely nice for the Wisconsin Badgers because mm-hmm. the majority of the good teams are either home or your Notre Dame is a if, neutral site. Neutral site, but it's in Chicago which Where the Badgers would, are the home team by the way. You would imagine that away uniforms. Yeah. You would imagine that's that's <laughs> going to be more for last year. Notre Dame uh, probably would favor a little bit to Notre Dame, but it would probably be pretty yeah. 50-50. But other than that, all the good teams you play are at home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these teams that you would consider good 
are like the Penn States and the Michigans who might not be as good as they have been in the past. I'd right? bet my left and right, right nut right now that the Badgers do not lose to Minnesota. Yeah. They they can still, you know, reach that prediction. But, I mean, tell me, you could have put that one loss as Iowa or Northwestern, and I would have said, yeah, I can see that. Well, I would say the Wisconsin Badgers, in my mind, will win at least 10 games yeah. unless uh, – Graham Mertz has an unforeseen like injury. Or, yeah. or you have a whole bunch of receivers go down again. Yeah. The Milwaukee Brewers are absolutely in fuego right now. They are hot, 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 As they have now won uh, five in a row and swept the Colorado Rockies, a 5 to nothing victory yesterday at AmFam Field. And Keston Hira, after a up-and-down season so far, Major League, Minor League, Major League, Minor League, Major League again, this third stint in the Majors, Keston Hira went two for three with three RBIs, including his second home run in three games. And he has absolutely been crushing it, Rowdy, with his now third stint back to the bigs this year. How about Kestaddy? The he, man can hit again. Yeah, so for being called up in that Arizona Diamondback series, the one right before the weekend series with the Rockies, he started hitting the ball extremely hard. That first day or that first game back, if you remember correctly, they only gave him two at bats. But he hit it to the deepest part of the ballpark at 413, which was caught up against the wall. And then his next at bat, he hit a line shot to right field, right at the right fielder. And pretty much every single game since then in that entire Rocky series, when he had the opportunity to go up to the plate, he had good at bats and he hit the ball hard. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously... You can sit here and say, well, he's raised his batting average quite a bit. Well, yeah, of course, because he, he got a few hits and he was at 130. It really only had one way to go, with, especially with the number of at-bats that he's had. But I, from what I like seeing from him was he was productive in every single game. He had good plate appearances. And by plate appearances, I'm talking about he wasn't chasing low and outside pitches where he was missing them in his first two stints. You mean like striking out constantly? He wasn't whiffing at pitches up and in or high in the zone like he was in the first couple pitches. He was looking at a lot of different pitches. He wasn't chasing, which was another one of his big things, was chasing and strikeout rate. Mm -hmm. And he was hitting the ball hard. I think... Every single time he hit the baseball it was screamer. over the past five games were hard-hit balls. I saw the stat. It was um, of the 11 hits he'd had, seven of them had an exit velocity of over 100 miles per hour. So he's been hitting some screamers. So Hira uh, batted 303 with a 938 OPS in 84 games as a rookie in 2019 and then had an NL high 85 strikeouts last year, Nelly, for Keston Hira in that shortened season. And then he struggled mightily so far this year. Two stints in the majors, which we were talking about. Uh, before the Rockies have come to town, Hero was batting 127 with one homer and five RBIs in 38 games. Hero has now matched that RBI total in this three-game series with the Rockies, going 4 for 11 with two dingers. And RJ just said he's been batting 307 since coming back. Yeah, no, obviously that's a small sample size. Small sample but you'll size. take it with a guy who's been struggling mentally. I honestly wouldn't even care. Well, I would a little bit, but I wouldn't care if he was hitting 200 when he came back because it's an improvement. And just just in general, using the naked eye, his at bats look better. Remember when we were talking like coming out of spring training or early in the season, how we're like, yeah, this guy, you know, he didn't really. It was Travis Shaw. Mm -hmm. He didn't really have the batting average coming out of spring training. But his at-bats in spring training looked better. They weren't the Travis Shaw from what we had seen in 2019 with the Brewers. And what did Travis Shaw do when he came out and played the first month of April? Travis Shaw balled He's out crushing. and was partially one of the reasons why the Brewers were doing as well as they did the first month. Because while Travis Shaw was carrying the offense, mm -hmm. no one else was hitting the baseball. No, That's the same type of improvement that you'd like to see with Keston Hira. It's not necessarily that he's got to be getting hits all the time because it's baseball. Look how many times he's gotten robbed over the last okay, few yeah, games a bunch. where he hit extremely hard rockets. And I think it was two plays now that a guy has made sliding or somewhat sliding catches on some of his line shots. Mm -hmm. And that's not to mention all the other hits that he had surrounding those good at bats. Just seeing him improve not chasing and hitting the ball hard is enough to say hopefully it looks like he's starting to turn a corner because you didn't really see that in the 
first couple stints. He was always swinging at bad pitches. He was always chasing. When he was taking pitches, they were right down the middle. Yeah. They were ones that he should be He's striking on everything. Yeah. And so, yes, this does look a little bit of like a different Keston Hira in a tiny sample size. Now, it's, I mean, you'll obviously you'll take it. And here's the thing. First base is something that the Brewers is a big head scratcher well, at because Daniel Vogelback's done for a while. Well, and not to – Daniel Vogelback is done for a bit. He's on the aisle. But the bigger thing is you have all these CBSs of the world, ESPNs of the world, you know, MLB networks of the world talking about the trade deadline that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And it's coming up in about a month. Yep. What do they continue to talk about for the Milwaukee Brewers, especially since the Willie Adamas trade where they moved Urias to third base since Colton Wong had – gotten healthy, which, oh, by the way, he's, he's out doubtful again. to play today yeah. and he's potentially a, could be out the entire series. tightness in his left calf for Colton Wong. So that's another thing, but... Council uh, said Wong will return at some point during this three-game series against yeah, the Cubs. Everything even once Wong came back and they were able to move Urias to third base, all three of those guys as Urias, Adamas, and uh, Wong have been swinging the bat and playing really well. Mm-hmm. All of the what do these contenders do had the Milwaukee Brewers pointing towards first base. If you can get it and not have to go outside of your own organization and get the Keston Hira that you had in 2019, or even could we bagged on Keston Hira? Obviously, he had a down year in 2020. Last last year when he had 85 strikeouts, NL leading? He had an extremely high strikeout rate. He had an extremely high chase rate. And he had an extremely low for Keston here batting average. Mm-hmm. But what was he still doing in 2020? He was still being somewhat productive. He still was hitting home runs. He still was driving in runs. Now, granted, he was also hitting fourth behind Christian Yelich, so that would have given him a little bit of protection. But it's not that uh, Christian Yelich really had a great year. We, we talked about how bad his 2020 year was. Yeah. If you can get Keston here back swinging the bat like he is, with Willie Adamas playing like he is, Maria's playing Adamus. like he is. Yelich yeah, is coming back too, by the way. Colton Wong you can continue Yelly to that play big well. Home run on Saturday? Narvaez. But if you can slot him in behind Christian Yelich and he's not chasing pitches and he's starting to hit the ball hard, that just makes the offense that much better. And you didn't have to give anything up to go get him because yeah. he was in your minor league system. And. and. And then David Stearns can still go out and make his move for like two middle of the road relievers, which he'll probably do, anyways. which is what we are expecting. <laughs> totally expecting that. Yeah. Kess daddy bringing it. Uh, Craig council. I have comments from him. I wanted to play old Craigery talking about how good Hira has been since he, uh, he's been back. He's, he's swinging the bat. Well, um, I thought the first at bat, the, the home run today, excuse me, was a great example of, you know, the basically the pitch before was uh, the identical pitch to the pitch he had a home run on, and he made an adjustment at a pitch that he struggled with traditionally with a little bit and, and uh, put a great swing on it. And then he put two, hit two rockets to the opposite field. So um, there's been some very hard contact, um, you know, the damage to the baseball, which is what he's definitely capable of doing. So Craig Council uh... – High praises. Let's uh, hear a little more from his presser. If he's able to maintain this, um, how big a lift could it be for your offense to add another bat? Maybe maybe the Kesson of 2019. Yeah, I mean, don't worry about the Kesson of 2019. I mean, I think we, we need to be – we have we need offense, of course. We need guys uh, kind of contributing to the circle of, of scoring runs. So, you know, we, we have a player hurt and – we need people to step up, so it all helps. Um, he's obviously a player that's capable of big offensive things, and so just gotta hopefully, hopefully, he's uh, these, this, these some of the adjustments that he's made um, are starting to pay off, and he's starting to feel good up there. Craig Council on these podium little talks are hilarious. It's like God, I don't have to answer these questions. It's like, do we care? Come on, bro, get me out of here. Well, Craig Council's probably saying to himself. All right, he's swinging the bat well, but it hasn't even been a week. It's been it's been three games. I think after that second inning jam, Lauer only allowed one more base runner the rest of the way. What changed for him after? All right, so I wanted to get into Lauer here real quick too, so that that's nice. Yeah, Rowdy? No, I was just going to say if we were going to talk about uh, Eric Lauer. Yeah, he was at money yesterday. Threw the ball extremely well, but if you watch those first couple innings, it was like he was fighting himself with his control a little bit, and he had to settle settle in. And it was kind of like, oh, uh, what was that start a couple couple starts ago where 
he he was really shaky for the first couple innings, and then all of a sudden just dialed it Started in, balling. and was completely shut down. Well, he got out of trouble in that second inning and was completely shut down. I was surprised they didn't even let him go out there for the seventh and and save a bullpen arm for another day. Yeah, he struck out six over six innings, two hit ball. Lauer uh, is what is this, is this a second win now of the season? I don't think he has too many wins under his belt, but he's been looking a lot better. Yeah, he's two and three. That was a second win yesterday. Eric Lauer looked good, Rowdy. And is it me or are the Brewers now bunting a lot? No, that that was R- RJ's the one that sent it to our group chat. Like they're bunting nonstop lately. I love it. And remember and the first winning. the first month and a half of the season refused to bunt, where it was like every single time Won't they bunt. would not bunt. They would not bunt, and it was. We people were screaming about how bunting is outdated, and if you look at the numbers, bunting is actually worse from you. And this is new sabermetrics baseball. That's a thing of the past. It's never a thing. It's not effective anymore. It's actually worse for you. Then the Milwaukee Brewers were not bunting. They were literally swinging away. And as a team that is still in the bottom five of batting average, OPS when facing pitchers, was just striking out and whiffing and striking out and not even being able to move runners or manufacture runs, it was like pointless. It's like, well, at least if you're going to get out, at least move the base runner up to third and at least give your shot or your your team a shot to score with at least one or yeah. two batters, yeah. which they weren't doing. And then when you dig into it, what those people that were saying, it's actually worse from you, it's worse for you if you're trying to score two or more runs. We weren't calling for them to bunt every single time they no. had a guy on second no. base. No, no. In situations where you were down by one or tied. That actually raises your ability to score that runner if you bunt them from second to third with no outs. Obviously, the bunt getting you one out to a guy to third. And last I checked, it actually s- raised your opportunity of scoring by about five to six percent. Last time I checked, if you score one more run than the other team, you win the game. And the last month and a half, once they went through that terrible streak of of baseball, what was that, middle of May? Yeah. Where it's like they couldn't beat anybody and it's they just looked awful. Bad. All of a sudden it was like they stopped looking at the quote unquote numbers and the analytics the and the nerds. stats. They stopped listening to the nerds. And they started bunting a little bit more. They Not only did they start bunting a little bit more, but they started stealing bases or at least attempting to run a little bit with some hit and runs and putting pressure Bingo. on these pitchers. Bingo. And guess what? Yes, they're playing lower competition. Doesn't matter. But they're putting more pressure on pitch or on pitchers. They're starting to bunt a little bit and, and take the one run when they need it. And they are starting to win a lot of games, and it's worked for them. Rowdy, we had a dog, and his name was Bingo. Spot on, dude. The whole philosophy has changed. It seems like in the organization for the Brewers, RJ, don't forget to mention the complete change in approaches at the plate for the organization. It's crazy of how they've completely just revamped what they're doing, and look at the wind starting to come in. How about that? Manufacturing runs instead of relying just on the home run ball. Now, they're still hitting home runs. Keston Hero, for example. But my God, it's nice to see the Brewers switching things up a bit. All right, Rowdy, so today is the day. You know who's coming to town? The Chicago... Cubs. Yeah, but do you remember what the record is for the Brewers and Cubs so far this series? Because I'd like to rem- remind one listener. I'm pretty sure the Brewers hold the edge right now 6-3 to three over the Chicago Cubs. It is 6-3. to three. Huh. And the Milwaukee Brewers have a three-game lead on the Chicago Cubs going into this series huh. with three games left in the month of July. And even if the Milwaukee Brewers got swept by the Chicago Cubs in this series... The Brewers and Cubs would enter July tied for the NL Central. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Cubs do not sweep the Brewers in this series. Because if anything, we talked about this month, they're playing a lot of the lesser teams. The only team that they played on the docket heading into June that had a winning record was the Chicago Cubs. The Cincinnati Reds had been flirting with 500 or a game or two above or below. Mm -hmm. But it was basically the Cubs and that was it. It was all about winning series against teams that you should be beating. And for the most part, the Milwaukee Brewers have done that and even gotten sweeps, which was getting a little greedy because all you were asking for was series wins. But look at the pitching matchups. 
The Brewers have Peralta tonight, tonight versus Hendricks, Wood Woodruff tomorrow, and Corbin Burns on Wednesday. If you get swept with three of your best pitchers and three guys that probably should be all stars and appear on the NL team, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk all stars coming up. I, I just don't see how you get swept, especially with the Cubs offense that, yeah, they've been a little better late. Sweep, sweep, sweep. But that's sweep, still not sweep, a great sweep, offense. Sweep, 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 sweep. The Chicago Cubs can't stand you. Oh, makes the blood boil, Rowdy, the Chicago Cubs. You know there's going to be some nonsense happening too these next three games. Well, I mean, look at you. We talked about the three for the for the Brewers. You mentioned how Hendricks is on the mound tonight against uh, Peralta. Yep. It's Woodruff versus old friend Zach Davies. <laughs> Zach Davies. And then it's Arietta versus Burns. It's hard for me to hate Zach Davies. And that's not Jake Arietta of 2015 no. or 16. When I see Zach Davies in that Chicago Cubs uniform, it just makes me sick. I liked him for the Brewers. Hundred percent. To be completely honest, pitching pitching edge goes to the Brewers in all three of those matchups. Totally. Plus, they're playing at home. Where if you look at the Cubs on the road, have a losing record, haven't been great. Brewers have just won five in a row. The Chicago Cubs just had a four-game set with the LA Dodgers. Won one out of the four. Dodgers took three games, three in a row. Talk some more Brewers. I got to talk Major League Baseball All-Star voting. A couple weeks ago, the Milwaukee Brewers Facebook and Twitter account were begging people to vote for Milwaukee Brewers into the All-Star game, obviously. I mean, it's their team. It's their players. They want to be well-represented the Major League Baseball All-Star game. Well, uh, the first wave, Rowdy, the first wave is out of who's going to be starting for the All-Star game. I know you know the answer. Take a guess, though, of how many, or tell the fine folks how many there are of All-Stars for the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, you're talking about how the finalists were announced yeah, yes, for every me, position. Yes, the finalists for every position, yes. Well, the Milwaukee Brewers have no finalists at any position. Zero. Zip, In the field. Zilch. Nada. Nothing. You'll get nothing, and you'll like it. And I have to say I agree with it. They'll get pitchers because that's selected by the managers, correct? Yeah, so the pitchers are... Selected by the managers, and obviously the Milwaukee Brewers are going to have at least three, you'd have to imagine, right? Yes. You'd have to imagine Josh Hader since he's only given up one run and has been absolutely filthy pretty much all year. Gotta have the Hader in. Obviously, when you look at Burns and Woodruff, they've been money and have some of the best numbers and are, I don't know. Aren't they still second and third in Cy Young? Yeah, in the top five of Cy Young behind... Uh, DeGrom. Yeah, and DeGrom's and then, hurt still, right? And then you have Freddie Peralta, who also is all-star caliber and has looked really, really good this year. He's a man so possessed. He's awesome. You would think they could have up to four pitchers, and it makes sense, right? We've talked about how good their pitchers have been, how good their starters have been, how good Josh Hader has been for forever. The Brewers are 45 and 33, 12 games above 500, first place in the NL Central, and have zero All Stars. Yeah. And going back to that um, zero Cy Young voting mm-hmm. or Cy Young um, features, yeah. it's still Jacob DeGrom, heavy favorite, but now it has changed. Two and three has changed. Mm-hmm. They have flip flopped two and three. It is now Brandon Woodruff second. Corbin Burns third. Wow, the big woo second. And how do you have the odds up still? Like how big of a difference is there between DeGrom and the big woo? So DeGrom is minus 450, which is an extremely heavy favorite. Brandon Woodruff plus 800. And then let's see here. Actually, Freddie Peralta's actually moved up a spot too. Was he, he was 15th the last time we checked. He's now currently 14. Wow. Brewers have three pitchers, top 15, top 14. For Cy Young, and but they here check this out. So there are there are only a, a few positions in which the Brewers landed players of top vote getters for the All Star game: catcher, shortstop, and outfield. Uh, for catchers right now, your number one is Buster Posey, followed by Yadier Molina, then Wilson Contreras. Omar Narvaez comes in at ninth, <laughs> behind number four is Will and Smith. And that's ridiculous, to be completely honest. I know Omar Narvaez did have a stint on the IL. Mm-hmm. But if you look at purely his numbers and how well he's played and actually how much he's improved his defensive numbers, now he's not an all-star catcher by any means. Or sorry, he's not an all-star defensive catcher by any means, but he has definitely improved quite a bit in that department from his prior career 
before the Milwaukee Brewers and even in 2020, he deserves to be third on that list. He doesn't deserve to be a starter at the all-star game, but he deserves to be in that top three. Him being, what did you say, ninth? Ninth. That's ridiculous. In between uh, 10 is James McCann for the Mets and uh, Austin Nola for the Padres. As they yeah, that's ridiculous. So there is one position where the Brewers have someone in the top 10. Omar Narvaez, ninth for catcher. You go then to shortstops, where Fernando Tatis Jr., number one. Javier Baez, two. Brandon Crawford is three for the Giants. You go all the way down to number 10 is Willie Adamas. See, Willie Adamas on this one, it's just kind of unfortunate that, uh, well, one, he played over a full month in the AL, Mm -hmm. and two, he struggled in the AL. Then when he came to Milwaukee, obviously he's turned it around quite a bit and has really brought it up, but he hasn't really been here that long. He's been here for, what, maybe a month and a half? I mean, he's been been the the stick stirring the Brewers' drink. 100%. Now, you have to base it on his entire season so far. Do I think he should be 10th on that list? No, I think he should be much higher than that. But to put him in the top three, I can't do it. Yeah, above him is Paul DeJong from the Cardinals. Now, that's that's ridiculous. And then uh, Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. He's having a terrible year. That's ridiculous. Francisco Lindor is 7th. He's been awful this year for the big-time money that the Mets are paying. Tansby Swanson is 6th for the Braves. Should be ahead of him. Trey Turner, 5th, is the Nats. Like, I cut him off around 5th. Okay. I mean, number 10, though, is kind of criminal for Willie Adamas. He he is bawling, but a victim of just a short amount of time on us seeing the Milwaukee Brewers. And the only other position where the Brewers have vote-getters, outfielders. The only one getting votes coming in at number 15, Christian Yelich, who is turning it on a little bit as of late, Rowdy. Yelich is 15th. I think he's just because of his name he's up there. Exactly why he's up there. Is I mean, there anything that Christian Yelich has done this season that says all-star? He hit an awesome home run on Saturday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, he's kind of coming on a little bit as a late, but to be an all-star, no. I mean, look at the guy that's Just as a na- living off his name. Look at the guy that is uh, right below him, Marte, Yeah, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's batting 370. Oof. And, he, and, he's played, batting right now? and he's played the majority of the season. I mean, Christian Yelich is batting 252 for the games played. He's been a little more productive than Marte. But, I mean, Marte is batting 370, and they're like neck and neck in voting. Yeah. So obviously, obviously, some of those names on there are only getting recognition from who they are and what they've done in the past. But that's kind of like my pet peeve with a lot of uh, fan voting when it comes yeah. to oh, MLB sure. All-Star I games. I mean, if you're a major market, you rule. The Brewers are 12 games above 500, three games above the Cubs for first place, number one in the NL Central, obviously, and they have no All-Stars. No one even <laughs> sniffing close to the final votes. Yeah, and I think even Javisel Garcia didn't even come up on no, that list. there's only three which, positions. to be completely honest, he doesn't deserve to be in the top 10, top 15 outfielders in the National League. Christian Yelich probably doesn't either. The only guys that you're looking at are Narvaez, who, looking at that list, probably should come in around third. Yeah, instead of ninth. And, and Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas, who just, had only been there for about a month and a half, and you can't argue him to be in the top three either, but you could probably argue him in the top six. Yeah. <laughs> that's, wow. That's why the Brewers are going to have to have a lot of uh, pitching all-stars. There you go.